Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a small child shall not enter it. Luke 18, verses 15 to 17. Jesus loved children for their innocence. He taught that entering heaven is not about great scholarly knowledge, admirable accomplishments, or social status. It requires simple faith in God. Immediately after this lesson, Jesus instructed a rich young man about humility, continuing this theme of childlike acceptance of the gospel. The young man went away sad because he was unable to trust fully in God instead of his wealth. When we look at our children their innocence, it is refreshing to see how they trust us, how they hang on to every word, how they haven't learned to question our authority. <laughs> that will come. This is the kind of awe and respect God is after from us, and yet we insist on trying to run our own lives. What would happen if a child was left to run her own life? Without being fully prepared, things would quickly spiral out of control. We can see that. Sometimes we can make our spiritual life more complicated than it should be. We each need to ask, do I have the childlike faith to depend on Jesus and Jesus alone for entering God's kingdom? For me, the good news is easy. Even accepting it is easy. But I stumble when I'm called to fully surrender to God. Not only the parts of my life I want to give up, but also the parts I want to hang on to. Like a child trusts his father to catch him when he jumps into a pool of water, we must trust God to catch us too. How can we be more childlike in our devotion? Hello, welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny and I'm here to dispel any preconceived ideas you may have about what educating your children at home looks like. It can be straightforward school or no school at all. It can involve world travel or a comfy seat on the couch. It can be in pursuit of passions or simply hanging out in a tree. Homeschooling can be embarked upon for a number of reasons too. A physically challenged child or parent, the threat of bullies and overwhelming peer pressure at school, a particularly brilliant child who's bored in kindergarten, a conflict in religious teachings perhaps, or a desire for the family closeness missing in your upbringing. For me, it's a lifestyle that suits the maverick lurking within. I wanted to be the one who saw the light bulbs go on. I wanted to be their turning points in my children's lives. I didn't want to hand them over to folk who are not their mother, and I wanted to make my own decisions about how to raise my children. 
On my show, I've spoken to a wide range of homeschooling mothers, fathers, and graduates who find educational opportunities everywhere and thrive. I've moved in and out of my comfort zones. God and children will do that. I've gained insights and delights that I'm happy to share with you. With or without my children underfoot, my life is often ordinary, always busy, and sometimes a roller coaster, but it always starts and ends with God. The clatter on my roof of a rainstorm pasture lands that reach for miles, birdsong bringing in the dawn, the scent of freshly mown grass, a starry night out in the middle of nowhere, the smell of propane reminding me of childhood camping holidays, and lightning proclaiming God's power. If you pop by, I'll offer you a cup of PG tips and a piece of cake to tickle your taste buds, and thank you for staying. I know my daughter, who's also my guest this week, won't pass up the offer of cake. She's going to be talking to us about the children whose care she's entrusted with after my first break, and you won't want to miss Paris's refreshing take on life. I'm broadcasting from Turkey Creek in Florida, and I'm going to be also talking about fresh eggs, the moving of the boat, and other happenings from the household of the McNennies. I'm all set, so grab whatever it is you're drinking, and sit back for the next hour, and enjoy. I ran out of eggs, and instead of getting some at the grocery store, I wanted to pay a visit to our local egg lady. So although it was a little late in the evening, about seven o'clock, we drove up to her door and knocked we were invited inside. She had several dozen eggs piled up on her counter because she'd been away on vacation and a friend had come in just to gather them up. And as I sat and chatted with her, she was washing my eggs and I asked her why. The FDA says it's illegal to sell unwashed eggs to the public. Apparently they stay fresh on the counter for up to six months when they're unwashed, but as soon as you wash them, they have to be refrigerated and don't keep nearly as long. And I wondered, I wonder why the FDA insist that we wash them. Well, you know, washing them removes the protective cuticle or bloom that prevents bacteria from entering the egg from the outside through the porous shell. I told my little egg lady that we buy our eggs in England just off the shelf and she said, that's because they're unwashed. And when I looked all this up online later on, sure enough, England and Europe don't wash their eggs before selling them and they have a long shelf life and no one in England refrigerates an egg. We have to keep them chilled here because they would simply go bad on the counter because of the outside contaminants and the fact the bloom has been washed off. This is all very interesting. America is germ crazy and one of the reasons why they wash them is because there might be some chicken droppings on the eggs or dirt from the ground or maybe some straw or some feathers. But quite honestly, I like having the odd feather and the odd bit of straw stuck to my free range selection. Of course, she wouldn't have been able to sell me the eggs unwashed, although I was tempted to ask her to because I didn't want her to get into trouble with the authorities. I also thought while I was there that I'd try some of her duck eggs. They were huge. Even the largest chicken egg was tiny next to these monsters. And I used them for my bagel and egg Sunday morning breakfast this week. And they were delicious. 
very big and apparently the fat content is high. But go and listen to Dr. Terry Fites talk about Whole Foods on my July 11th show of this year. There couldn't be anything more wholesome than freshly laid farm eggs, duck or chicken, washed or unwashed. My homesteader son has four chickens and they're very close to being old enough to lay. I can't wait to be able to eat those. I wonder if they know about the washing law. It's complex too. Each state differs in its requirements. Anyway, I've sent them a link so that they can read up about it before they uh, start to try and sell their eggs to their restaurants. Some afternoons, we just have to take the dogs out in the rain. We have to take them out to pee. And it's been raining a lot in the afternoons, and I've blogged about our wet excursions. But recently, the thunder and lightning have been very scary, and we've tried to put off the final walk for as long as possible. Did you know that people in Florida are more likely to be struck by lightning than anywhere else in the country? Our neighbours say, when you hear thunder, get inside, which we really should have heeded. We went out between showers yesterday, but were too far away to just nip home when the heavens opened again and the thunder clapped right above us and lightning was flashing all around us. I tell you, it was very disturbing and we ran the last street home through the puddles and heavy rain. The big dog, Blake, runs in the rain with his eyes half closed and shakes his head to rid himself of the water drops marring his vision. He also uses his front paws to brush the water out of his eyes. So last night we were running and he was on three legs brushing water out of his eyes and getting all over the place while he tried to keep up with us. It was funny, and I kept laughing. Poor cowboy feared for our lives, so he told me to keep running. This was not the time to be taking pictures. He was right. We got home safely. But my, that was a storm and a half, and apparently we've not been graced with a tropical storm yet, so I hope perhaps we won't get one. And it's time for me to go on a break. And when I come back, I will be talking to my daughter, Paris McNenny, also known as Perry Poppins. So don't go far. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNenny, the sociable homeschooler. And we'll be right back after these. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. A live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework, knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out marklepinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. I'm delighted this afternoon to have as my guest my school teacher daughter, Paris McNenny, also known as 
Perry Poppins. Paris holds the title of firstborn daughter and takes after me in her colouring and beauty and after her father in her lovingness and sense of humour. She graduated top of her homeschool senior year and spent her first year away from home on a hospital ship on the west coast of Africa and returned to us with malaria and a wholehearted desire to teach special needs children. She attended the local community college and earned her Associate of Arts degree in education and a certificate for teaching special needs. Today, she is going to be talking to us about two different jobs she held this year, both concerning children in very different situations. Welcome to my show, Paris, this afternoon. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm raving to go. Well, <laughs> what what I've been doing, I've been doing a little series with um, the four of you. We're looking back on the past year because a lot of times you get so stuck in now and today that you forget that, gosh, this time last year, where was I? You know, you might have been doing something that you loved doing. You might have been doing something that you didn't like doing. And now you're doing something completely different. And so... What I want to do is is look back on last year, where you were last year, and um, we'll compare it to where you are today. So what were you doing last year? This time last year, I was actually the living nanny for a little, well, it was three children, but mostly a little boy. Um, he was two, and we were actually in Colorado this time last year. We had driven up. And there were three grown-ups and then and then all three of the children. Mm-hmm. And me and the father had the two-year-old in the back of the car, in the back of our car. And then the two other grown-ups had the other two children. And we got stuck with the little boy. And he cried the whole way from Little Elm to Colorado. So how old is he? Oh, you said he was, he was two. He was about two at the time. He was going to turn, well, three in the December. Mm-hmm. So a little more than two and a half. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he just, sitting in that car seat, he was okay for like the first hour. Yeah. And then after that, he was constantly crying. We had to find little snacks to feed him. And then he didn't want the snacks. And then he would just cry and cry and cry. Well, I remember you as a little girl. We would put you in the stroller to go for a walk. And the minute we passed the mailbox, you would say, when are we going home? <laughs> yeah. So can you imagine driving? We used to drive down to Galveston. That was five hours. Yes. And we would have and a I... movie sometimes going on in the car. And we'd do it at yeah. night sometimes so you could sleep. So was this during the day? No, we had left at about 8 or 9, well, maybe about 8.30. Mm-hmm. So we're like, oh, that's right around his bedtime. I'll mm-hmm. put him in his pajamas. I had given him a bath mm-hmm. with the sleep time stuff. And I was like, he'll sleep. Mm-hmm. Nope. No. He did not sleep at all. And I think it was the fact of maybe just he knew something was different because we had all the stuff packed in our car as well. Mm-hmm. So we had all, like, all the tents because we were camping. and. Yeah. And everything in, in our excited. yeah. So and then I can remember we pulled over at a at a rest stop, mm-hmm. um, probably about two hours outside Colorado, and everybody else got to sleep, but everybody in my car, me and the dad and the little moon, did not sleep. Oh no! So he didn't that sleep all. even when you stopped driving. No, no. no. <laughs> he wanted to get out of the car and just yeah. to be done. 
All right. Well, um, you were a live-in nanny. So what was, what was that like? How did you get that job and what was it like? Um, I am a part of an agency called care.com. Mm-hmm. So I had read an ad on there, um, about needing a live-in nanny for, for three children and mostly with that one boy mm-hmm. and little Elm. And I was needing a place to live, um, as it was. And so I applied for it and I was like, this is something that I've never done before. Mm-hmm. And they wrote me back and they interviewed me and they handed me the job right then and there. Wow. Uh, we actually interviewed at the food court at a mall, which mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of thought was a little weird. Mm-hmm. But uh, two weeks later, I was going to their house and they were showing me around and I was moving in and I met the little boy mm-hmm. and I started the next day. And, yeah. I mean, it was nervous. It was nerve wracking because it was a new house. But at the same time, it was comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So here you were, you had two, you know, you had a place to stay and a job. So that kind of sounds pretty ideal. And to start off with, was it, you know, was it everything that you expected it to be? Oh, yeah, it was a nice house. And I mean, I didn't have to pay for food or any of my typical struggles that I was having in Corpus, you know, mm-hmm. um, I was, actually was able to keep my whole paycheck, which yeah. was something I had never been able to do before. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't have to pay rent or food or, you know, any of the typical, you know, everyday struggles, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So um, did they, did you have to cook for them or did they cook and you joined them for family meals? Uh, that's kind of funny, mom, because you know, me and my cooking, um, uh, my cooking for the little boy, um, was just whatever was frozen and could be thrown in there in the oven or hot dogs. Yeah. But I mean, um, the grown ups did cook. I didn't typically, typically cook. I cooked maybe once for them and it was, um, pot roast or something, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was good, but not as good as probably somebody else would have made it they said and then um i made pancakes a couple of times when we were in colorado mm-hmm. and i i burnt them every time you did well it's a so campfire I, I mean it takes takes a little bit of practice on a campfire yeah it? so after that they kind of banned me from cooking any breakfast food that didn't just go in the toaster or put milk in and go in the microwave (laughs) and that was all right and you didn't starve because they were from all accounts fairly good cooks and and you ate regularly and there was always food in the refrigerator and in the in the freezer yes yes so how did um time off work i mean being a live-in nanny you pretty much don't just work 40 hours a week there's many more hours that you're working right it got it got a little bit difficult um, I was supposed to have like a day and a half off a week mm-hmm. and that's kind of how it went at, at first. And then the longer I got there and the longer I was working there, my day and a half kind of turned into a day and maybe two, three hours, Yeah, yeah. you know, cause the dad would come home late or they would decide that, you know, one of them would be out of town and then she would forget something and he, the dad would have to go. Mm-hmm. drive to bring it to her four hours away so that would cut into my time of yeah. you know having yeah. a day off yeah and I mean just constantly being at the house because mm-hmm. I mean I I did live there mm-hmm. I still felt like I was at work because I was still around the children or if the other two were there all three of the children 
enjoyed watching him grow and just spending time with him. And that's, I didn't care near the end. It wasn't about the paycheck or the overtime or the six days a week. And it was just getting to spend time with him because I I started getting really attached to him. Yeah. 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 I I was going to say, he started asking to talk to you and dad. Yeah, that's right. Got our routines in the morning of eating breakfast. And then we called you and dad on Skype. Yeah. So, I mean, he got 15 and all that stuff. Yeah. So um, you left after five or six months. Were there, was there a reason um, that you left? Did you decide that really this wasn't for you anymore? It was just, it was beginning to be too much. They kept having to have meetings with me. And I mean, not only was I taking care of a two-year-old, I also had to clean the whole house. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking a big two-story nice Probably, I think it was like a five bedroom, yeah, a bad house, yeah, and doing everybody's laundry, yeah, and so it, it just became to be a lot. So, you weren't and, just the nanny, you became the housekeeper as well, yeah. And I was responding to three or four different bosses, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it just became one person wanted this, and somebody else wanted this, and yeah. it. It it was, I could never, I felt like I could never do anything to anybody's standards. Because if I did it to one, it was not to somebody else's. And right. It just, it got to be too much. So being, being a nanny could be good. And if you were going to do that again, what would you do differently going into it? How would you, how would you set things up going into it differently? I would set up at the interview, I would have my list of, okay, I'm only going to work say 40 hours or mm-hmm. whatever if mm-hmm. they're asking in their profile a lot of the times the people will ask okay we need somebody for 45 hours okay or eight hours or whatever yeah yeah so whatever they say in their profile that's what I would want to stick to and I would come with that list and say I'm not working past if you've listed 8 30 as your cutoff time yeah. I don't work past 8 30 yeah. it doesn't matter if you're not home yeah you should be home because I'm off at 8 30 and yeah. anything after 8 30 I get overtime yeah yeah um and, and then just, the housework stuff you know the, the other duties you would we would kind of ask what that was about and make sure it stuck to that because yeah, yeah. when i went to this interview it was supposed to be light housekeeping mm-hmm. or define so, light yeah to me light housekeeping is vacuuming and maybe dusting and cleaning up dishes mm-hmm. not scrubbing floors and doing curtains and blinds no, and exactly not spring cleaning so yeah so it so would you do something like that again if the opportunity presented itself or would you never that's something that you will never go near again if the opportunity presented myself to myself i would probably consider it depending on i would definitely go for the interview and see what it was about and the thing is, I'm happy at where I am right now, so that's kind of hard to answer. If I wasn't at the job I have right now, mm-hmm. it might be a different story, but I would hate to leave the job I have right now and go try to do this live in nanny and then it not work out and yeah. I lost both jobs. Yeah, and the pay might be good, but there there aren't the benefits and and. 
right, you know, that, right. You, that you're getting right now. Now I know that though that in this on this care.com website there may be some other nanny jobs. You were lucky really because you had one two-year-old and then you had the two older children every other weekend or first third and fifth weekends um some of those so tell us about some of the others that you saw um <laughs> some of the other ones were only paying going to be paying like 250 for a living but then you wouldn't have to do you know you don't pay your rent your food or electricity or anything else but they would have like five kids yeah and the youngest would be probably about six months old to, and then the oldest maybe seven or eight mm. so i mm-hmm. mean maybe for most of the day you would just have the baby mm-hmm. and then go pick up the other four at you know school and help them with their homework and all of that mm-hmm. and to me 250 or even I don't know. It didn't seem realistic, even though you're not paying rent and electricity and all that. You're still you're still dealing with five kids. And then during the summer, it would have stayed the same. And Mm -hmm. so you're with those kids all day during the summer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, okay, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. And some of the the ads would be like the children are not allowed to watch TV or movies and must be outside at all times. <laughs> well, when it's a hundred and something degrees outside, that's not really realistic. I can understand maybe not watching the TV, but maybe doing a little bit more inside of activities mm-hmm. and crafts and you know. Mm-hmm different things I don't know so so if you were um, talking to anybody about possibly taking a job as a live-in nanny you'd have quite a a bit of advice for them having been in that situation yourself you wouldn't say definitely don't do it but you would definitely say set your parameters definitely definitely and have everything set in writing and Possibly in your writing, because I had a contract with this couple, this, these people I work for, Mm -hmm. but they had written it. And so they had kind of ways to get around everything I felt. So I would suggest that anybody have it in your writing where you're only going to work 45 hours. Yes. So be very specific because I know when you were living there, you got really attached to the young boy and you you became friends with the parents. And so a lot of those guidelines were blurred because you said, well, I enjoy doing that. I actually enjoy being with the kids. I actually enjoy, you know, sort of hanging out in the kitchen when they're in the kitchen. And so your time off became family time with the family and so I think you know they started to take you for granted so just keeping to that that schedule probably would would help okay Paris well we need to go on a short break and when we come back let's talk about what you did after you finished your nannying job we'll be back in just a moment Alrighty. how do you handle toddlers teens and tirades when homeschooling that's what we're working on now It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. 
With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Paris, you finished with your live-in nanny job, and you decided to go ahead and work for a company. So tell us how, how that happened and who you're working for. I work for an organization called Kindercare, mm-hmm. and I've worked for them about going on four years now. So when I lived in Corpus, I was working with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I've taken about a year and a half off and I was sitting one day thinking how I missed almost the daycare scene, Mm -hmm. which was totally opposite on how I felt a year ago because I was over daycare. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to give kinder care a call. And so I gave a couple of call and two of them were not hiring. They were really low on kids and didn't need anybody. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do one more. And if they are not hiring, then it's not meant to be. I'm not going to call anymore. Mm-hmm. And this one was. Mm-hmm. So I go in and I immediately fell in love. I felt like it was just very open. And the people that greeted me at the door, which are now my two bosses, mm-hmm. um, very, very nice and an open center. And it wasn't like my kinder care um, that I had worked at before. Mm-hmm. It's just... Immediately, I felt welcomed, mm-hmm. which was really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so was it the atmosphere or was it the layout? It was, I want to say it was the atmosphere and just the people. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, when I first went in there, it was just the assistant that greeted me and um, very nice and just, you know, was asking me questions and stuff. And then a couple of weeks later, when I went for my interview, it was the assistant and then, um the project manager who is now my actual boss that I'm the school age teacher mm-hmm. and um, the same thing. I just, just sitting down and talking with them. It was, you could tell that they enjoyed what they do and mm-hmm. working at a daycare. I, before I haven't ever typically found that. Yeah. So it was just kind of, it was a different feeling altogether. Really? Just, just doing the interviews. Yeah. So it makes a difference, the the kinds of people that you're working with, doesn't it? It makes a difference to your job and, and the workplace. Yes, yes, it really, it really does. And it makes a difference, I think, to the children if they feel as though they're surrounded by people that love and care for them. Yes, it, it does. And somebody that's actually there for the kids and not for the paycheck. Yeah, yeah. So, so like- you're, you're back at kinder care and you started in with the young ones, which you're always with. And I don't know how you do it because there are only so many diapers that I can change. But you just <laughs> can keep on, keep on, keep on. So tell us the age that you worked with. I worked, I started off with the two-year-olds and I had a lady that I was working with and we got along and we still do. We get along fantastically. Um, and it worked out because our ratio is technically 22. 
Mm-hmm. So right immediately when I tell people that, they're like, oh my gosh, 22 diapers. Mm-hmm. But me and my co-teacher that I was working with, we split the class in half. So it was just 11 and 11. Mm-hmm. And some of my kids were potty trained and some of her kids were potty trained. Mm-hmm. So it was all 11 diapers, which kind of made it feel a little bit better because mm-hmm. you're right. Diapers are not fun to change, no, especially no. when you get there first thing in the morning and you're not fully awake yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So do you have a good, did you have a good group of um, children who were potty trained and then there was a group of children that weren't or how did that work? I mean, and when I started, it was, they were potty trained, but maybe they still had to be in a diaper for nap time. Like it was kind of on that verge of yeah. haven't perfected it yet, yeah. but yeah. I'm getting there. Yeah. Um, so I would say maybe two or three Maybe maybe four out of the class were you know potty trained, and so that was kind of nice because even if it's just one child, it's a lot easier than having no children potty trained. Yeah, because all the other kids start seeing, oh well, he's going potty, so maybe that's what I need to do, and they start wanting to all do it. And they're at that age where they where they can observe. You know, that's that's the right age. So uh, are you? Is the is it part of your responsibility to help them with potty training, or is it just really the parents that need to do that? The parent wants us to. Oh, okay. We get some okay. parents that are okay with them being four and five years old and still in diapers, or yeah. you know, um, I haven't run into that here, but in other ones I have. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the parent wants us to, I mean, it's really based on the child actually, because you'll be able to tell they start taking off their diaper or they start asking to go potty or so interested in doing that. So, I mean, if the parent hasn't said anything to me yet, then I'd always be like, oh, you know, um, she's wanting to go potty. And what, what have y'all thought about starting to do that yet? Yeah, and just yeah. kind of feeding off the parent. Yeah. If they don't want us doing that, then you know, then no, unfortunately, we we don't push it. But if they're like, okay, yeah, let's do this. I'm so ready to get out of diapers and not have to be buying diapers anymore. Then, Mm -hmm. you know, we definitely work on that and we'll send them as much as we can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's just kind of based on what the parent and if the child is ready yeah so so you do a lot of child ready I know you do because um, you're not allowed to hurry them up when they're eating and um, you know they're they're allowed to do things pretty much in their own time as long as it's not completely holding up the rest of the class is that right right and yeah. that's why now they've given us such a long time to eat lunch yeah because I mean if a child some children take you know, a long time to eat lunch longer than others. So, yeah. you know, it's yeah. just, yeah, we're very child focused and whatever. If the child's not ready to do certain things yet, then I mean, we don't push them because yeah. that's when you start ruining stuff for them. And yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So tell us how you got out of your two year old classroom and moved into another class. I had, um, somebody come up to me and was like, you should go ask for the school-age classroom because we don't have a teacher yet. And I'm talking, this is almost, this is a Wednesday before and school gets out on Friday. Oh, okay. So, I mean, it was kind of, we were really in a hurry to find somebody. And I was like, well, yeah, maybe I can think about it. So I I went and I talked to my boss and um, she gave me, luckily, the chance. And I was really nervous at first because I've always done the younger ones except for maybe a spring break here where they needed me to go with the older kids and yeah. that's only for a week or, yeah. you know, an yeah. hour here, hour there. Yes. But, but for the most part, it's been the younger ones. And so 
she was like, okay, yes, I'll let you do the school agers. And so I'm like, okay. And um, the projects manager, she gave me the, the curriculum and the book and told me what I needed to do. And it's five activities a day. Right. So yeah. it's... In theory, it's five activities a day if you can get to them. Um, yes, and I'm supposed to. And I tried my hardest, but I mean, I have 26 kids at times. I know. And so it's, it's still a bit challenging for me. And we're now almost eight weeks into the summer, but I feel like come the 11th week, I'll, I'll have it down. And unfortunately, that's the last week. Yeah. But I'll be a perfect way. (laughs) But I mean, my first day, so they told me on Wednesday that I would have it. And then Friday was my first day in there. Wow. Well, tell me, and, let's back Let's back up a little bit. You say school-ager, and everybody oh, sorry, may yeah. not know exactly what does that mean. A school-ager is anybody that is in elementary school. Okay. So <clears throat> at the end, so where I'm coming in at the beginning of summer, they're probably about six to about, I think my oldest is nine. However, I can take them up to they turn 12. Okay. I just don't have any 12-year-olds. So a school-ager is anybody that's in elementary school. Okay. So, and then once school starts, I'll have five-year-olds, and then I guess my oldest will be nine or ten. Okay. And you will only have, once school starts in that classroom, you will only have them first thing in the morning before they go to school, if you're scheduled to be there that early, and after school, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And And during breaks, obviously, during when when school's out. Well, yeah. 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 So. Yeah. But, I mean, it just, it's become a challenge for me because I'm constantly having to remind myself, okay, they're not two. No. So they can talk. Mm Mm-hmm. So I have to hear both sides of a story. Yes. Yes. And I mean, you always did that. You would always hear both Malia's and my side of the story or, you know, vice yeah. versa or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. But when you're working in a twos classroom, you typically don't do that because they don't always talk. Mm-hmm. So if one has a bite on the arm, you put the one that bit and, and talk to them. Mm-hmm. So having to remind myself, okay, I have to hear both sides of the story because you know, older kids do tend to stretch the truth a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You really have to find out what's going on from both sides. Yeah, yeah. And that, that I would say, besides the curriculum, that has been my biggest challenge mm-hmm. to remember to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you're, you're, you're learning a lot. So do you have some nine-year-olds who are very, very bright and who can help you with the rest of the class, or is that just too difficult to try and organize with 26 children? I do. Um, when it comes to the curriculum, um, a lot of it, my younger ones don't know how to do. Um, we were doing color poems, at, for example, the other day, and my younger ones weren't getting the concept of mm-hmm. taking the color and explaining what it was like. Like pink flower is like mm-hmm. smelling and drinking pink lemonade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't quite grasping that concept. Mm-hmm. And so I would stick some of my nine-year-olds with the younger ones that were getting the concept and that could help it. Mm-hmm. So I could go to another table that was maybe doing a different project. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, it 
it gets a little bit easier, but when it's not curriculum and I have the older ones, I've noticed that they tend to boss the younger ones around a little bit and that can sometimes cause more problems than Mm -hmm. if it's just me. So I tend to just with the older ones, I'll give them little, you know, cleaning up activities to do, like help me keep the classroom clean or, um, yesterday we had an art show, so I had my older ones helping me put, uh, tape and put up all the artwork. Yeah, yeah. Well, Paris, you were saying while we were on our little break that um, you really liked certain routines that we had when you, you know, when we were homeschooling. Like, for example, we'd go to the gym on a Wednesday. When we went to the gym, we would you would be allowed to have a drink out of a vending machine. And I think you do the same sort of thing with your children during the week, your school ages. You have certain things that you do on certain days so the children know that they can look forward to that. Talk about your, the structure of your week a little bit. Um, we do, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, on Mondays we do splash day. So my kids know on Mondays they have splash day to look forward to, which is kind of a fun outside activity where I can just turn on the hose and spray them down and chase them and it's a lot of fun. And I think they enjoy doing it because it takes up a lot of the morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then we come back in and it's lunchtime and it's kind of, there's no at t- time really for a lot of activities to be done. Mm-hmm. So um, it's kind of just a fun, different type of morning where they get to go outside and have fun with me where I'm not having to be in the classroom and do all my paperwork or get activities together. It's just me and the kids running around and outside, getting yeah. the plan up. Yeah. Do so, they go outside at other times? Um, I try to. Yeah. It just depends on how hot it is. Yesterday was um, an orange ozone day. Oh. So I had to be outside by 10 o'clock, mm-hmm. which is a bit difficult when I don't come in until about 930 or 945. Yeah. And then sending 26 kids to go to the bathroom and line up. Yeah. Is, is a bit difficult, even if I don't have all 26 of my kids. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, oh, because they have to have gone to the bathroom if they need to do that before. Well, if they, they have outside. to go to the bathroom, yeah. there's always at least five of my kids that are like, yeah. oh, wait, I need to go to the bathroom yeah. because yeah. I can't send them in by themselves, even if it's through a classroom. Yeah. I, I can't because then that classroom could go over or I'm not watching my child. Yeah, exactly. So, no, um, you, no, you have to yeah. be. They have to be there with your children at all times. Okay, so what other fun, fun things do you do during the week to break things up a little bit? Um, on Fridays, they know, well, Thursdays and Fridays, usually we start cleaning the classroom mm-hmm. um, every other week. So they kind of they kind of know um, on Thursdays and Fridays that it's time to clean the classroom. And I mean, I pull out my shelves and I sweep under the shelves and okay, so it's kind of a little bit, yeah, a real thorough, thorough clean. And I do that every other week just because... Mm-hmm. It's it makes the classroom feel a little bit better, and mm-hmm. when you go in on a Monday, it's a lot cleaner and mm-hmm. just nicer and organized and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and then we have some structure, like lunchtime is always at the same time, so they know come eleven fifteen, eleven twenty, it's about to be lunchtime, and mm-hmm. then after that, it's nap time for everybody else. Mm-hmm means that my kids get to pull out their DSs or their iPads or whatever electronic they they Mm -hmm. have chosen to bring. Field trips vary throughout the week. Mm -hmm. We have two this coming week. We're going to go to the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. Oh, wow. And to the movie theater. Oh, 
Are you going to actually see? That's a stupid question. You are going to see a film, aren't you? Well, yes. We're going to go see Rio 2. Uh-huh. So a lot of my kids, and I'm excited to see it because I haven't seen it yet. But, right. I mean, the kids love going to the movies and they're talking about how they get their little box of popcorn and their juice and, you know, whatever else comes in the little fun kid pack. Mm-hmm. Well, we so used to kids- do that. They they used to have, like, movie camp and it would go on for, for five weeks and every week we'd go and see a movie and it would come with everything. Yeah. And I remember, I remember doing that, and we would go with some. We would each get to pick a friend to come with us. Yeah, but so do you? Do you do that regularly? That movie, the movie thing, or is this oh, the first time? We haven't. We haven't been to the movies yet this oh, summer. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> so I think we tried to do different field trips differently. You know, every week it's something different, yeah. so the kids maybe don't get bored. Yeah. But the one I'm looking forward to is the Dallas Cowboy Stadium. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited for that one. So, yeah. So you drive yeah. them, not you personally, but Kindercare itself has buses and they drive the children to these places. Yes, yes, and it's it can get very loud on the bus, mm-hmm. and it's so funny hearing the kids sit on the bus and they'll go, "Oh, we're right by my house," or "I know where we are. We're right by the ice cream store." And you were at school. And you weren't at school that much. You did a little bit of Montessori before we did um, homeschool. Anytime there was a field trip, I used to volunteer to go along. So what is the situation with parents volunteering? Or or are all all your parents working so there aren't very many parents around that could come? I mean, a lot of my parents do work. Mm -hmm. But I know we have one particular parent who last year went with us on one of our field trips. Mm -hmm. So I think as long as it's planned and talked to through um, all three of my bosses and gotten approved, then it's okay. But so far this year, I haven't had any um, parent chaperones or anything like that. I've had a couple of parents be like, Oh, that would be so much fun to go on. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, y'all are so lucky that you get to go do this. Mm -hmm. But I mean, besides having a parent ask if they could come with us or I haven't, had that this year right right because that's a lot of children to be responsible for other teachers go with you though don't they yes we always um have at least three yeah because most of the time we have to take two buses and i don't i can't drive a bus nor do i really want to drive a bus Mm -hmm. um and then i i go because i'm the teacher so it's usually at least three of us if not one more yeah 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 so and the children enjoy those outings too um, a lot of them do. It depends on how interactive it is and how just busy it is. I mean, I'm sure it's always fun to get out of the building, but if it's very crowded and they don't get to necessarily do anything, I don't think they have as much fun as maybe going to the aquarium by themselves and getting to go behind the scenes and, mm-hmm. and have that one-on-one interaction with just a small group as opposed to you know, maybe eight other schools that are all in. And does that happen sometimes? You go somewhere and there's just, it's just swamped with other schools? Yes, we had a field trip on Thursday. Yeah. Um, it was just completely too many people. And yeah. it's, I understand you book other schools, but it's like this place had booked too much. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we had 26 kids and four teachers, and then there were probably a good eight or nine other schools there, plus other private part you know moms and dads just yeah. bringing their kids or, or whatnot yeah. yeah 
mean, my kids, they got to walk through the rooms and stuff, but they didn't get to do really anything as far as touching the hands-on stuff. Yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, they got to go on a hurricane, or no, I'm sorry, an earthquake, earthquake simulator where, mm-hmm. you know, you got to experience the different types of earthquakes. <laughs> but that's about all they got to do as far as hands-on stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so I feel like they were acting up a little bit more because... There wasn't as much for them to do as a private field trip, like going behind the scenes at the aquarium yeah, or yeah. what the Dallas Cowboy Stadium is going to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a shame that some museums will do that because it, one, it puts off parents who just want to take their children because they think, oh my gosh, you know, that every time we go during the school holidays, they've got way too many kids booked. And two, I think it would put off the schools because I'm sure you and the other teachers went back with a report and said, listen, the next time we you want to go there, you need to make sure that they don't book all these schools or we don't oh, go. Me and on Thursday, I was helping um, one of my bosses clean up the coolers and stuff like that. And we were dumping them out outside. And she asked me, she goes, would you want to go back next year? And I said, no. No. I said, no, honestly, I think we can find something better that we can spend all the money on. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, Kendrick Care is paying for us to go. So, like, none of us have to pay anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't feel like the kids got anything out of going. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon, Parrish. You have a wonderful weekend, and thanks for talking to us about your two completely different kinds of jobs, your your live-in nanny and and your your daycare job. Yes, no problem. It was a pleasure. All right. Bye. Bye. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Yes, why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. I've been talking to my daughter, Paris McNenny, who graduated top of her class in homeschooling and holds a certificate in special needs and an Associate of Arts degree in education. We talked about her favorite topic, children, and how her jobs this year have taught her much about being independent. I'm sure you enjoyed our lively conversation, and I, for one, can't wait to get home and visit her in her classroom and perhaps read a couple of books to her school ages. She has 26 children in her class, and I thought four were a lot – 
She's doing such a grand job. I'm so proud of her when she tells me what she's achieved and some of the activities she talks about. She's beginning to understand that her method of teaching and forms of discipline and expectations are quite different from her colleagues, and that's all right. She enjoys letting the children express themselves, so sometimes her class seems noisy and out of control, when in reality it's filled with busy as bees children working happily in small groups. You heard us talking about field trips and how I'd go to any field trip I could just because I enjoyed visiting museums and wildlife preserves as well as zoos and theatre, especially when one of my children was in the crowd. When I used to go, I'd just have to sign up. In fact, I used to volunteer in the classroom and they were happy to have me there. No questions asked and definitely no background checks. Paris was telling me they need background checks now and I told her I'd be happy to do what was required to allow me to come into her classroom and retail her children or put on an English tea with no nuts. She was telling her colleagues a story about homeschooling and brought up the fact that I never got angry, so the only time I did rather stuck out in her mind. Well, it stuck out in all the children's minds, it turns out. We were having lunch, the main meal of the day, and the table grew a little noisy and out of hand, to my way of thinking anyway. None of the children, and I only had four, were listening to me, so I stood up and picked up my end of the table and let it drop down on the floor. That caught their attention and took them by surprise, and they grew quiet immediately. Unfortunately for me, they will always remember that incident, and of course it grows in the telling and never in my favour. At times, I threw the table across the room. Supermum gets a little upset. When she'd finished telling me the story she told her colleagues, I said, Well, thanks, Paris. Now they'll probably insist I take an anger management class before I can be considered as a classroom volunteer or a chaperone. Since this show features my lovely daughter, narrator of tall stories and all, whose told looks just like me, and at the opening of the show I said she'd never pass off up the offer of cake, I can talk about her all-time favourite food, although she has experimented and does eat more than peanut butter pizza and ice cream these days, embracing sushi and veggies as part of her occasional diet. She'll never say no to pancakes. We were meeting for an ice cream one day and when I found out she hadn't eaten anything all day, I offered to take her to IHOP and her eyes lit up. Her older brother used to have spaghetti and meat sauce there. Not the best thing on a breakfast restaurant's menu, but he loved it. Paris would always have an old-fashioned stack loaded with butter and syrup, and I have to admit, I am growing rather fond of that breakfast delight. The other evening, my blue-eyed cowboy and I decided that we would have pancakes for dinner. Don't you just love breakfast in the evening? I enjoy my pancakes thin with lemon and sugar. My mother would make them on Shrove Tuesday, and she was a dab hand at tossing them in the frying pan to flip them over and brown the other side. Done like this, they're called crepes in France, but we called them pancakes, and I think mum also harboured a sweet tooth like my Perry Poppins daughter. On coming to America, I discovered pancakes are thicker, and I enjoyed mine with all the more lemon and sugar. Oh, and a dab of butter between the layers. How yummy is that? The evening we decided on breakfast for dinner, my cowboy sought out and found the sticky, sweet delight of Aunt Jemima's syrup in one of the kitchen cupboards here. The couple we're house-sitting for are English, so the fridge is not a go-to storage place for open jars of anything. And guess what? There were ants in the flagon. I didn't look closely enough to see if they were still running around, but I bet you they were in ant heaven, or is it beetle heaven to them? We slung the syrup out, and both had sugar and lemon. 
There was a boat on our dock until the other day when my gentleman nearly gave himself heat exhaustion from doing too much. The man who owns the boat thought he had it sold and he went with the prospective buyers all the way to town to pick up the title and sign it over but no such luck. The would-be buyers got cold feet so he decided to move it from our dock to the dock next door where the monthly fee is slightly lower. Only he'd gone back home to Indiana before he made that executive decision. My cowboy, with the blue eyes, gathered together a team of three, and between them they pulled the boat twelve feet or so along to the adjacent dock. Most of the work fell to my Texan, and he was out there the longest, making sure the bumpers were in place and the knots were tied correctly and the power was hooked up and running properly. The sun was at its early morning best, hot and strong, and he didn't have any water with him. Consequently, when he came inside, all he could do was sit on the couch, gasp for iced water, then take a shower before sleeping for a couple of hours. But now we have a good view of Flora Bell's backside with her name emblazoned across the stern and water is lapping against the dock. My Texan says he saw a massive turtle that must have been hidden by the boat swimming under our dock. I wonder what else he'll see more clearly and does that mean the alligators will be able to inch just a little bit closer? Twelve feet closer to be exact? And I do have one other story about the big dog, who is every bit as silly as one of Paris's children. The story goes that he was weaned a little too soon. Consequently, he likes to suck his favorite toy, an alligator I've christened Ally. He doesn't chew it or pull it apart. He just loves it to death, I was told. Well, we'll see about that, I thought. And true enough, he is or was very gentle with his binky until earlier this week. I walked into the lounge and there he was with Ali's white bunting insides all over the bare wooden floor between his paws. He looked up at me and seemed so sad, but he kept pulling at the bunting and I had to take it away from him. We had to get Ali sewn up, but before my cowboy would touch the sodden little soft toy, I had to wash the saliva that makes her ever so lovable away. If I washed her in the machine, the rest of her innards would escape. So I cast around my sponge bag and found several miniature hair clips that worked a treat, rather like the staples my OBY gin used after my C-sections. She survived the wash and dry, and my cowboy, Blake's blue-eyed hero now, sewed up her tummy and she's as good as new, and Blake won't let her out of his sight. He does look rather daft, this 87-pound German Shepherd lab mix, walking around with a Thai beanie baby look-alike in his mouth. We draw the line at walk time, wouldn't you? And with that little story, I've finished going on about life for another week. We're going to the Episcopal Church this Sunday, this Sunday, Mass with a priest only every other week and nothing at all during July, so we've been attending Catholic Mass on Saturday nights. Looking forward to our return home, and I'll tell you all about where we are and what we're doing as soon as we're settled. How's that? Thank you for listening to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and I'll be back same time, same place next Friday. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hard-working staff at TogiNet Radio, my producer Sabrina, my guest this week, Paris McNenny, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Anne, Rosemary, Kathleen, Esme, Millicent, Margaret, Jacob, Walter, Jane, Olivia, Tina, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Stay tuned all the time and catch lots of great shows to help you through your day. Take care and be safe. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. 
May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Doop, doop, doop. Doop, bloop, bloop. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNenny on Toginat. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who are willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.